Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Growth Farm Production. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Organizations spend a lot of time, money, and resources to drive top of funnel activities and engage prospects. But once a prospect is actually ready to buy, the process for signing a contract and paying an invoice can sometimes be a nightmare for the customer, but also for the internal sales and finance teams. So why is this? Especially in SaaS, when the customer signature is really just the beginning of the relationship. In this episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, Sarika Garg, the CEO and co-founder of Cashflow, saw this as a challenge to be solved. Cashflow is a deal-closing platform that automates quote-to-close with an interactive self-serve checkout experience that automates payments and customer financing. So please take a listen to this longtime product and strategy leader and learn how to truly optimize the customer experience. So excited to be here today with Sarika Garg, the co-founder and CEO at Cashflow. Cashflow is a deal closing platform that automates quote to close, enables complex usage based pricing, and has an interactive self serve checkout experience that automates payments and customer financing. So, welcome, Sarika, and thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to share your story and just learn from you. Thank you so much, Rosalind. I'm so excited to be here with you and share. Uh, share more about Cashflow. Awesome. Awesome. So, well, let's start by talking a little bit about your journey before Cashflow, right? You've been in so many leadership roles. I've seen you were in product development, you were in product management, product marketing, as well as some strategy roles as well in companies like SAP, Ariba, and TradeShift. So maybe can you share a little bit more about your backstory and you know your career journey prior to Cashflow? Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like I'm an unusual entrepreneur because I worked for 20 years before I started a company. And I think I always wanted to start a company, but I never felt ready. So what I did was in all these uh, roles that I had in these different companies, I actually tried to learn entrepreneurship through them. So in the in the lifetime as a product manager, product marketing strategy, I have actually built five B2B enterprise products, took them from zero to one, uh, iterated on them till they became, uh, each one of them actually became tens of millions of dollars worth in revenue and continue to grow. And that started giving me the confidence that, hey, I, I can do some stuff and maybe it's time for me to go out on my do- on own and work on my own ideas, right? Love that. I love that. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, when I talk to founders on the podcast, they the company is sort of, you know, founder was faced with a problem or they had a challenge that they were trying to solve or there's some kind of, you know, aha moment or event that happens. You know, was this the case for you and, you know, kind of what led you and your co-founder, Brian, to start the company? It's about two years ago. Right, right. And, you know, so Brian, just like me, um, we are actually exactly the same age. Also started working, uh, has been working for 20 years. 
And both of us, uh, when we came together, one of the things that we agreed upon is we, we have seen in the last 20 years a very, very big shift in the software world, right? Uh, where we have gone from a professional buyer buying an ERP or a CRM system to run your company to people like you and me buying software. We've all now experienced buying software because each company, whether that's a small company or a large company, is buying hundreds of pieces of software. And, uh, and, and that means that uh, we buy software like we buy retail, right? Um, and <laughs> that means that, hey, I know what I want. I've done my research. Uh, hey, salesperson, answer a few questions and then get out of my way, right? I don't mm. want to engage in this lengthy uh, paper trail that usually is a norm. And we felt that uh, software had come to a point uh, where it needed to be much more automated and easier from a buyer's perspective and also as a seller from a seller's perspective. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. And yeah, the buyer, we're so much more informed, right? Because we have information at our fingertips. And like you said, you know, we just want to get through the process. A lot of times we just want a couple pieces of information. And then like you said, seller kind of get out of our way and let us buy. I love that. Um, you know, I think organizations spend a lot of time, right? And a lot of money driving that top of funnel activity and then engaging prospects. But once a customer is actually ready to buy, you know, the process for quoting and creating contracts and actually purchasing can sometimes just be such a nightmare, both for, you know, your internal team, you know, your sales team and marketing team, but also for the customer. Um, so let's talk about configuring a quote, right, with products and maybe pricing first. I think many companies struggle with getting their CPQ process right. You know, from your perspective, you know, why do you think this is so challenging? And maybe what can organizations really do differently to simplify the process and try to be more efficient? So I, I think the, the bottom line uh, over here is the CPQ systems that exist today were built 20 years ago where software was not a thing. They were actually built for manufacturing companies. And that's why it's even called configure price and code. Like that is like, it's, and, and you know, when you sell software, it's not about creating the code. It's actually about your customer. It's your customer consuming that code, uh, signing the contract and paying you, right? So we feel that, um, we are using the wrong systems that were really not designed for software. And so we need a system which is more SaaS focused, which really understands that it is about your buyer and your buyer's experience and not you, right? And I think there, there are a couple of things here that are really, really important, right? One is um, it's kind of crazy that we haven't spent enough time and attention and money on the deal closing process, because if you lose a deal, at the end of like doing all the work and the marketing sales efforts, it's very, very expensive for you, right? So in some ways you should have that very, very airtight because time kills all deals. And in this environment, it's even more true than ever. Uh, the mm -hmm. second point that I think is really, really important is um, in SaaS, it's not about the first deal close, right? It's, it's really about creating a mechanism uh, where, you know, once your customer says, hey, I want to use your software, you can do things like true ups and, and tiers and renewals and make this process of growing that customer as they get more value from your product much, much simpler and easier. And, uh, and, and I'm actually um, really shocked by the number of companies that I've been talking to recently who say, you know, we somehow close a deal because we just like also focused on it. 
But after that, it turns, goes into a manual process. And in today's environment, expansions and renewals is becoming a really, really big deal because it's pretty manual today. Yeah. 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 I love that. I know I was having a conversation with somebody recently about, you know, when the customer in SAS, when the customer signs the deal for the first time, that's just the beginning of the journey, right? And that's the beginning right. of the relationship. Um, you know, so, you know, once a quote or a contract actually gets signed, you know, you mentioned that a lot of times after that, it's all manual, right? And organizations are manually reviewing the orders. They're manually entering data, you know, from one system to another to create invoices, and this obviously leads to, you know, a ton of inefficiencies, potential errors, you know, missed revenue opportunities, and ultimately just a really poor customer experience. Um, so what are you seeing, you know, organizations maybe doing right here? And, you know, maybe what are they doing wrong when it comes to invoicing and billing? So, you know, um, I think the, the biggest thing or the challenge that I see is uh, these processes of closing a deal and then doing billing are two disconnected processes because they sit mm -hmm. in two different departments. And, uh, and actually, from your customer's perspective, it's one thing. It's one flow. And so you need yeah. to think about it as a deal closing flow, especially, as you said, uh, you, you know, when you when you, uh, you you know you get married to a customer, and that's just the beginning of the journey, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, I I really think it's really important for leaders uh, to think about what is that one flow where you can take uh, something from quote to converting it into an order to converting into a bill, right? Like one smooth flow, right? Um, and um, when it comes to billing, think about how can I automate it. Uh, how can I uh, break down the billing into consumable chunks that my customer can consume? So, for example, mm -hmm. can you offer monthly billing options to your customer so that they don't have the burden of paying it all up front one time, which is basically a norm today, right? So mm -hmm. giving them uh, options is, is is quite important all in, in sort of one single flow. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, in today's world, we see so much of this usage-based billing, right? So I want to definitely dive into that a little bit more because I think more and more companies have moved to consumption, like kind of a use and pay-as-you-go type of model, or they have these models with, you know, these product-led growth motions, they have self-serve, you know, also I've worked in companies where we sell in, you know, on the cloud, right, in cloud marketplaces. Um, but as a RevOps leader, you know, I know how complicated this <laughs> can make all aspects of revenue, you know, from pricing to forecasting and obviously to quoting and invoicing and actually to payment. And then all of those steps in between can be extremely complicated. Um, what recommendations do you have maybe for companies who are thinking about moving to a usage or consumption-based motion, or maybe if they've already done so? Yeah. And then how can they manage this motion better from a quote-to-cash perspective? You know, what, what you're talking about is really important. Uh, I think SaaS is shifting, right? It's no longer the cookie-cutter 100K, uh, pay me 100K for the next three years. It's It's becoming much more flexible because people want to pay for value, right? And and so I think the most important thing for uh, a revenue operations leader, need, uh, what they need to think about is how can they experiment with pricing and then optimize it, right? But at the same time, have one backend. So whether you're selling on one of these marketplaces or you have a PLG motion or you have a sales assisted motion and you want to experiment three different pricing models, all of that should feed into one backend system, 
right? That's super important for you as a leader because that's how you can understand uh, what's working, what's not, and how you can make the calls of dialing something up or down, right? And, uh, you know, usage-based billing is a, is a big word. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually find, uh, you know, when I talk to customers, most customers um, are not really looking for creating true, uh, you know, AWS-like usage-based billing. What they're looking to do is things like tiered base pricing that, hey, can I buy a, a thousand APIs and pay one price? Because by the way, that's predictability for you as well as for your customer. And that's, that's a good thing. And then when uh, the customer gets to 2,000 API calls, then I want to actually ship them into the next tier, right? And you can apply this to API calls. You can apply this to user licenses. You can apply this to many things, right? So, so mm-hmm. creating a system where you can experiment with these, you know, is it 1,000 uh, or is it 2,000 that tears you up? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's super important for, for all, us, all of us as revenue leaders to keep our minds open uh, and, and experiment on pricing um, and and then uh, subsequently not creating a mess <laughs> at <Yeah>. the back end uh, <laughs> because, uh, because uh, a lot of times it's the finance teams uh, that are just left mm-hmm. with a mess of uh, figuring out billing and that's terrible for them. And so what happens is oftentimes when a CFO comes in, the first thing they do is they try to lock everything down. <laughs> And that's not, that's not the right thing for the company yeah. either. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have, I've been in that, in that scenario before. That's why I'm laughing. Um, you know, you mentioned this earlier too, but many organizations have these separate systems, right. To handle different parts of the proposal to cash process. So being able to automate and then make this end to end process more efficient, you know, allows companies to close deals faster, right. And provide that better customer experience. So how does cash flow, you know, really help to bring all of these different parts together? And what benefits, you know, can organizations expect by leveraging your platform? Right. And, you know, for for an early stage company, like if you're a series A, B or C, you probably don't have a code system. You're probably using Google Docs. You don't have a billing system. There's probably somebody sitting in the back and doing Excel sheets. So <laughs> there it's very easy to say, hey, Cash flow is three systems in one. It is your code system, your billing system, and your contract signing system all combined. And by the way, you don't have, you can save a lot of money and you don't have the headache of three implementations, which is super painful, uh, as we all know, right? So you, you just have to deal with one vendor and, and which is completely connected to your ERP and CRM systems. Uh, but of course, uh, as you go up market and you have bigger, uh, bigger companies, you don't have the luxury to come in and just sort of like kill everything else and bring something yeah. new in. And, and that's why um, I think right from the start uh, with Brian being my co-founder, who was, you know, early um, um, VP of engineering at Salesforce, we said we need to build our company as an API first company. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, so we have a modular approach, which is API based. So if you have a CPQ system, you can plug cash flow in from CPQ. So you can create the code there, but then we become your interactive checkout for your customers and your billing system. If you actually have done the work of implementing a billing system, you probably don't want to rip that out. But here you can now um, plug in cash flow very easily and and do the other parts that are that are not covered over here, right? So that's one thing that we made sure we could do this so that we could actually help companies who have already invested uh, in some systems. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, on this podcast, we focus a lot on go to market and revenue side of the house, right? The revenue funnel. But the ability to quote and invoice and collect cash, you know, has this huge impact, right, on finance and accounting. And, you know, having been, you know, for myself, having run finance operations in a past life, uh, you know, I fully appreciate really just the ability to streamline that entire quote to cash process. Because, you know, as we've been talking about, the process certainly doesn't end, right, with that signed deal and not even with the invoice, so maybe can you share a little bit more about, you know, how cash flow helps with the collecting cash faster, right? On your website, you talk about, you know, adding a B2C like checkout, right? Quality to the B2B deal close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's very simple. We automate uh, the the last step of the deal close too. And, and let me give you uh, an example, right? So uh, I had one of our clients, uh, accounts receivable person, share with me what she does every day uh, to you know follow up on accounts and payments. And it was tedious. It was a thankless job. And all she had to do was send these dunning emails to just make someone pay uh, for a one-time fee. And we believe that that should be a world of the past. Like we are living in a world where you can actually automate payments so somebody does not have to chase these payments uh, manually, right? So there, there's really no reason to do it. So um, buyers want to, buyers don't want to be chased either, by the way, right? So it goes yeah. both ways, right? <laughs> so so what we we actually do is we enable automation of payments on our platform, right? So uh, for example, your customer can pay uh, with a credit card right? Put a credit card on file, we'll charge that credit card monthly or annually or quarterly. Uh, Since we have large volumes going through us, we can negotiate better credit card rates for you. Uh, The second uh, that we've just actually switched on on our platform is we we can actually help to connect to your bank, to the bank account of your customer. So you can pull the money in instead of kind of this manual process that happens today. So those are some things which we think the world is going to move towards from this totally check ACH wire uh, mode, right? <laughs> uh, it yeah. will take some time, but we, we definitely see the most innovative uh, sellers are already doing this, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think about how easy it is for um, for you to pay when you individually purchase items, right? You just swipe your card, you set up, you know, you set up an automatic yeah. payment, the monthly fees. I pay for everything on a monthly recurring basis, right? Where I don't even have to look at it. So I love that. Yeah, and and I'll tell you as a as a buyer, you know, I, when when I was in my last job. Uh, I used to get pinged by vendors all the time saying, hey, can you please ping your accounts payable because they haven't paid me? <laughs> and it made me feel really bad. And by the way, it interrupted my work, right? Like yes. it's, it's just not not a good um, experience for me as a buyer, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. You know, I think at some point, hopefully in the near future, you know, I hope this isn't even a topic that's relevant. But unfortunately, I think in today's world, especially in the tech space, and then especially as, you know, executive or C-level roles, we see so few women 
leaders, right? Especially women of color. Um, so as a RevOps leader, you know, there's been so many times when I'm the only woman in the room, I'm the only minority, you know, I'm the only mom, you know, or, or all of the above. So, you know, as a woman of color, CEO and founder, you know, what advice do you have for other women who are looking to, you know, elevate their career and maybe continue to move up that ladder? Yeah, I think, I, I think it first comes to be really good at what you do. Uh, I think there's not, there's no getting away from that. And that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. We, we're not trying to be in elevated uh, roles just to, for the sake of it. It's because we can make impact and we can do great things. So be really good at uh, what you do. Uh, you know, in your in my early career, my sponsors and mentors were very important because they gave me validation and guidance, which I didn't get maybe from other people. So find those people who are true believers in you and, and mm-hmm. you know, coach you and help you to, uh, to, to move forward. But I can't, uh, you know, I can't say enough, you know, Rosalind, I, I've done so many podcasts and I love the way you structured this podcast and were so prepared and had done your homework. But that's what I mean by be good at your craft because it matters, right? And things will, things will happen, right? Yeah. We, we're in an exceptionally great time for women, uh, women are getting chances. Uh, you know, when we did our fundraising last year, I was so afraid uh, of the two percent uh, stat, where it said two percent <laughs> women get funded, and uh, it was not. Uh, it was not that hard because we made sure we understood what we were doing and why we were doing, and we made sure we did our homework. Right. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, as I think about the revenue engine and this podcast, I always hope others will be able to learn how to accelerate revenue growth, right? And really power the revenue engine. So maybe from your perspective, you know, what are the top, you know, a couple of things, maybe top two or three things that you think all revenue leaders should really be thinking about today to help accelerate and grow revenue? Right. I think uh, sales velocity or revenue velocity is probably the number one thing that every revenue leader should be 100% focused on. Uh, I think that breaks down into maybe two or three things, uh, if I can talk about that. One is uh, your customer's experience is key. So ask yourself, have you removed every single friction that your customer is going through, right? From code to closing to paying. Because if your customer is happy, that customer will become a customer for life, right? Uh, the second uh, very important is sales resources are so, so expensive now. So look at, you know, eliminate every single manual work uh, that your salesperson does, right? Give them tools to 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 track deals, right? I was talking to our revenue uh, ops person, his name is Cooper, and I, and I said, what do you really like about cash flow? And he said, you know what? Our sales team can create codes in eight clicks, and that I've never seen that before. And I said, yeah, that's good. Like that means that you're removing the manual work that a salesperson has to do because uh, what that means is they can automate some of this and go and uh, get the next deal, right? Um, and then the third, you know, we talked about um, it's about maximizing revenue over time, um, right? Uh, it's it's really not only about closing the the, the first deal, but expanding that customer, giving that customer um, removing the friction from true upping that yeah. customer, expanding that customer, renewing that customer. Um, I just saw in the morning um, th- there was somebody had shared on 
uh, on LinkedIn how uh, how renewal rates are slowing down because it's all mm-hmm. manual, right? So have you thought about that process of of bringing in that revenue? It's free revenue in a way, right? Because you already did the work of selling. So those are those are a few things. All of them lead to revenue velocity. It's about how efficiently can you bring in revenue. Uh, from your customers. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's great advice. I love that. I love the focus on, you know, optimization and driving efficiencies internally, but then also the focus on your customer, right? Make it easy to do business with you. Right. So I love that. Um, So, well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, But as we wrap up and before I let you go, I always ask all of my guests two things. So one, you know, what is that one thing about you that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing that you really want everyone to know about you? Okay, um, so uh, as you can see, I'm Indian. I'm Indian origin. But uh, the surprising thing is I was two years old when I moved to Africa and and I grew up there. Uh, And uh, I moved to the U.S. 20 years ago or 22 years ago now, (laughs) which means that... um, you know, I, I feel like uh, I love diversity uh, and and um, value it significantly because all of these places gave me so many learnings. Um, one thing that I want everyone to know is I believe in learning. I, I, I think I'm a lifetime learner. Uh, and I think learning is all about insights that you get. Uh, I love learning about other people's insights. So uh, if, if anybody wants to ever ping me and talk about the insights I have had, I, I am always open to that. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And is LinkedIn the best place to find you? Yes. LinkedIn is uh, the place to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much for joining me and just thank you so much for your time and sharing so many great insights and sort of expertise around some of the things that you're doing. No, thank you, Rosalind. And thank you for the great questions. Awesome. 